West Coast bias. Matthew Jennings, what's up? We got Washington in the house today. One of my favorite states ever created, Washington. And here we go. Be sure to visit soundmind.app, peachjar.com, and nickelstrategies.com. Advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help you help others. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Peach Jar, Sound Mind, and Nickel Strategies. Here's your hosts, Matthew Jennings and Ryan Ferran. Curtis Campbell. What is going on, my man? Welcome to the School PR Podcast. Good. Thanks for having me. It's a great day in the Pacific Northwest. Beautiful weather that we're enjoying just kind of before the fall rain and stuff set in. So we're enjoying it while we can. That's awesome. What is the weather up there? Um, right now it's about 65, slightly overcast. Um, so yeah, it's pleasant hoodie weather. So you're in shorts and a t-shirt then or what? Hoodie and shorts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I used to live up in Eureka, which was, uh, it's still California, but it's Pacific Northwest water because it's right on the coast. And it uh, takes some adjusting to get used to that weather for sure. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful in July, 85, no humidity, clear skies, no rain. So um, we look forward to seeing and hopefully seeing both of you at uh, Inspra Seattle this year. And yeah, and be there. great summer, summer weather we keep around here. Let's go. Good. Yep. Yeah. Be awesome. That's going to be good. I know you're excited about that. Uh, we'll talk more about Enspra coming up there. You can give us all the local uh, inside scoop. Today, uh, talking about kind of uh, resurrecting a failing school, kind of rebranding culture and all that sort of stuff. I guess before we dive into that, Curtis, just give us a little bit of your bio and your background uh, in school PR. You're involved in a lot of stuff. Just give us the... Uh, elevator pitch bio if you would uh well i'm in my 16th year in school pr i got my start in school pr in my hometown uh school district of sunnyside washington it's kind of in south central washington kind of right between um yakima and the tri-cities uh rural agricultural community and so i was born and raised there and got uh, after college and grad school uh, a job came open that i thought i have the skills for and they hired me to be the community relations coordinator, and I was there for about eight years um, and kind of grew in uh, to an executive director role um, before I left. And um, that's the story we'll talk about here in a little bit. It's a great one. Um, but then after that, I went to the Shoreline School District just north of Seattle. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved to the Puyallup School District, um, kind of in the North uh, Puget Sound area. And so the first for the first time and uh you know that long I, i've always been a one-person shop and now i have a team of people to work with it's been pretty great um very involved in wasper and inspira um past uh inspira regional vice president for the northwest um currently on my second tour of duty with the wasper board and and president-elect and so um, we're getting ready for conferences coming up and i have a big part in kind of coordinating those so I'm really excited for that, and um, which I think Ryan, we might see you at a at a Wasper conference sometime. Yeah, I like it. I'm trying to work that out. So yeah. this is your second tour of duty on the Wasper board. You should have yeah, a, a yeah. Initially, I did my first one back in the early 2010s, and um, the the kind of need came up, and um, the opportunity presented itself, and I was asked to to kind of serve again and I was happy to do so. Um, I always kind of like to have kind of a side thing going on. And so, you know, before I was on the INSPIR board, I was, you know, very involved in our Rotary board and then, um, you know, did the INSPIR stuff, took a couple years off to kind of relax from volunteering things and um, then the opportunity to present itself to um, join the WASPR board. And it's a great, um, it's a great SPRA. I mean, we have so many great SPRAs, but um, I'm, obviously I'm biased, but I really love our chapter and it's a lot different than my, when the first time I was on the board, I think the first time I was on the board, we had about 80 to 90 members. Um, and now we're well over 260. Um, and so that's just a great thing. Gives us a lot of, uh, resources and opportunities to do some great things, bring some national speakers in. So, 
Um, I, I'm grateful to be serving again when we have a lot more resources than we did the first time around. That's awesome. That's Good awesome. for you for doing that. Cause it's, uh, as Matthew and I both know being on the Calsper board, it's a lot of work and, uh, you must've had enough time where you forgot how much work it was and you felt bad <laughs> and you did it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've done some good things over the year, kind of shifting some responsibilities around so that it's, uh, you know, many hands make light work and, um, speaking of the Calsper board, uh, Sarah Foy, who Sarah recently Foy. made a change to join us in uh, Washington State over in Oak Harbor. She's on our board. And so we really appreciate her expertise and all the stuff that she learned from Calsper, which is yeah. you know, another one of the premier spras in the nation. <laughs> another one of one of no, the premier spra. <laughs> and I think you meant to say that, Chris. And, and, you do and, and also give credit where credit is due. Calsper is one of the OG uh, Inspir Seattle supporters. So um, that's right. It, it goes it goes deep. It does go deep. Yeah. Matthew and I were just working on the invoice for Sarah that you guys owe us big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We expect uh, we expect to be paid when we come up for uh, the Wasper conference. Yeah. Y'all are lucky. I'm looking forward. Are you doing Leavenworth again? Next go uh, No, we've kind of outgrown uh, Leavenworth a bit. You know, well, our, uh, as I mentioned, you know, when the, when I was on the board about ten years ago, we we're less than hundred members. Now we're over two sixty, and uh, the facilities there where we have typically had it, we've just kind of outgrown. We look for other uh, venues in Leavenworth just because it's such a great, unique community, so cool. but um, just it wasn't anything that could really fit where we are and where we're going to continue to go in as an organization. So right now we're kind of looking at um, other areas to have our like our annual because we want to have it in one place, kind of like we've had Leverworth like established like a tradition. And so um, we're doing one at the Skamania Lodge in uh, southwest Washington uh, in towards the end of this month. Um, and that'll be our annual conference for this year. And we're going to see how that goes. Um, and if you know there's other venues we might want to look at, we might you know look at those next year. But we're just trying to kind of find a good place to kind of settle down as we're kind of uh, have grown to kind of outside of what uh, Leavenworth had to be able to host us. Do you see how that works, Matthew? We send them a Calsper member up there, and they grow from 100 to 260 <laughs> right away. That's just incredible. That's incredible. Awesome. Sarah has had a significant impact already. Oh, yeah. most definitely. Most definitely. She's great. She's great. You got a good one. Very, very good one. We sure did. Hey, so real quick, did you do anything before school PR or is it school? No, nope. I, I uh, went to college at grad school at Eastern Washington University over in Spokane. And um, when I was there, I was uh, an editor for the student newspaper and did that from my uh, junior year through um, my two years of grad school. And it was it was an amazing experience when I started out like when I was doing that, like what I would have loved to do is just be a journalist because I just love telling stories. I love the camaraderie of a newsroom, especially on a layout night when you're kind of under deadline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just those differences of opinion and conflicts that come up and how you resolve them within, um, you know, kind of a, an organization like that. But um, I was smart enough to know that you don't make a good, you know, living for a family in journalism unless you're in the upper echelon. So I kind of took a different tact. And so when I did my um, master's degree, I did it in public administration. And so my goal was mm -hmm. to kind of merge, which I think I was successful in. It's kind of merging the two from public service and through a communication standpoint. And so initially when I was looking for jobs, it was with state agencies, nonprofits, those sorts of things. And then um, one happened to come open in my hometown school district and um, which my mom was a teacher in, have lots of family members who are in education. So it just felt like a good fit. I was also a new dad. So obviously I had, um, you know, some skin in the game and, you know, really thoughtful about it. And so it just really worked out. That's awesome. That's cool. As a former starving journalist, uh, you made the right decision. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. A lot of camaraderie in the newsroom and we we're all starving and poor together. And so we all move around town to town and it was fun. But yeah, you uh, especially if you have a family to feed, that is not the route to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you talked about Sunnyside and that's where you got your start and um, really cool stuff about kind of turning around that whole culture. The graduation rate skyrocketed. So and you were a part of that kind of tell us how that came to be. There's a lot of struggling school districts. What I hate and kind of one of the reasons why we do this school VR podcast is 
and we have these SPRAs and NSPRA that are so good about kind of changing that narrative about public education and, you know, public education. If you, if you go into YouTube or Google, public education, the first five stories are usually very negative and it's not a good uh, kind of a good message and uh, branding out there for public education. But you guys had some issues, but then really turned that message around and really turned the school around. And there are struggling public schools out there like that. That's a thing. But a lot of there's a lot of really good ones. Where, where did you guys have to do? It seems so simple. I've read that article you passed along. It, it seems like some simple steps, but schools have been trying to do that for decades. And they're still, no matter how much money they get or what they're doing, it's still struggle, struggle, struggle. What did you guys do differently? Yeah, it's a, um, you know, it's a challenge. Sunnyside is a, um, you know, I was born and raised there. And so really I knew nothing else until I kind of went to college and experienced what other communities like were like. But Sunnyside was a very um, struggling community in terms of socioeconomic obstacles for um, kids. Uh, about 90% of the kids were free reduced lunch. Um, about half of the uh, parent population was monolingual Spanish speaking only. So there were some barriers there. Um, gangs were rampant. My first year in Sunnyside, we had five kids who were either in school, uh, not at, these didn't happen at school, but were either kids in the system or kids who had recently dropped out. Um, but five kids killed my first year. And that was really a wake up call for me because, you know, I was born and raised in the community, but then I went away to college and grad school for a few years and you kind of get disconnected a little bit. And, um, then when I came back and, you know, these things started happening, the graduation rate in 2008 when I joined, uh, the graduation rate for the previous year was 49%. And so over half the kids who are starting as freshmen are not walking across that graduation stage or any graduation stage, uh, you know, four or five years later. And um, the superintendent we had, Dr. Rick Cole, um, was really a visionary leader. And he had this belief that all kids could succeed. We just needed to find ways to do it, how are we gonna do that? And so he put forth um, a lot of um, kind of innovative initiatives. We got our board connected to the um, uh, NSBA, you know, the National School Board Association did this project called the Iowa School Boards Project. And it was based off of these standards and practices that the Iowa School Board Association developed, but really it was focused on a way to get board um, the work that school boards do to be more um, intentional and impactful on, um, you know, educational outcomes for kids. So while the board was doing that, um, and then from an instructional side, um, he developed this partnership with Gonzaga University. Um, we had applied for and got um, a federal school improvement grant. Um, and what that gave us was about $5 million over the course of several years to focus just on the high school. It had to be the school improvement grant, had to be focused at the high school level. And, um, but it gave us some uh, flexibility to do some different things. One of the things that we had to do to, one of the, the strings attached to the, the SIG grant, the school improvement grant was that we had to um, change the high school principal. There were a couple of things we could do. One was close the high school. We couldn't, we were one high school town. The second was um, fire all of the staff and only hire half back. Again, we couldn't get enough, we can't hire another half of a high school staff um, because the community just, there's just not that many people who have those, um, you know, credentials to be able to do that. And then the other option was, um, you know, a change in leadership at the high school level. So we did that. And so we had an opening at the high school level and Dr. Cole had uh, this idea that he wanted to develop a partnership with Gonzaga University um, and their education department, who's done some other projects with us before, like around um, instruction and pedagogy, and um, also did our um, accreditation for the high school. Mm -hmm. And so he developed this, um, this, this partnership with Gonzaga where they um, loaned us um, Dr. Chuck Salina, who's um, very well-renowned um, education professor to be the turnaround principal at the high school for a three-year period. And they would pay half of his salary, we would pay half of his salary, um, but they, the some of the conditions were that he had to have a lot more autonomy than um, you know other uh, principals in the district may have, um, didn't have to come to his many meetings, some other things. Mm. His focus was really on putting some of the theory um, he had as an, as an academic, as an education professor, 
into practice at the high school level. And at the same time, we were doing a lot of work K-12 around developing. We didn't have common curriculum guides that were um, aligned to state standards um, because, you know, you have curriculum that you buy, and um, but they're not always aligned to a particular state standard. So um, we started developing those in-house by ourselves. So every grade level would and um, subject would have a common curriculum guide that were aligned to the state standards, which, you know, kids are tested on and those are the things that they need to do to be able to graduate. Um, and so we were doing a lot of that kind of innovative stuff at the instructional level, at the instructional level and in the high school, because they, we had this SIG grant, we actually added an hour to the school day. So they went for an hour longer than most other schools, um, every other school in the district, but most every other school in the state. Um, they went an extra hour to give kids more opportunities to catch up, to do additional electives, to do some strategic um, interventions. And so that was quite a, a, a process. And we had to have a good collaborative um, partnership with the um, teachers union, because obviously you can't just tell them, hey, you're going to work an extra hour. But we were able to develop a partnership where they took that on. And obviously we used that money to compensate staff for that additional time. But it really allowed them to put some systems in place. They had this one thing called grizzly time, where if you didn't have a C or if you had a C or less or a C minus or less in any class, so they you had to go to a special period that was before lunch. So lunch was about an hour long. If you had a C minus or less, you had to go to this thing called grizzly time for 20 to 30 minutes. And then you go, you went and you had, you know, 30-ish minutes to have your lunch instead of having that um, extra time. A lot of other innovative things. They had uh, systems where they knew every, they had a chart. And I remember walking into Dr. Selena's office and every time I would look at it, it just amazed me. But it was a chart that had every kid, every kid's name, um, freshman to senior, every kid's name. Wow. And on it, there was a color code. It was um, green, yellow, orange, or red. And that indicated what if they were on track for graduation, if they were exhibiting some signs, they might get off track. If they're off track, red, they're way off track, need some really strategic um, interventions and help. And so they knew, and that administrative team knew every single kid, they knew them by name and what their color code was and what they needed help with, what their strengths and needs were. And the thing is like the kids knew too. They, you know, they had meetings with the kids that, you know, needed some help. Their families knew where they were on that chart. And so they were just very strategic in knowing every kid and what they needed and where they were lacking so that they could support their success. And so they did a ton of stuff like that and a lot, but a lot of it that happened there that we also transcended throughout the district was around culture. So, um, you know, I mentioned I came back to Sunnyside in 2008 and less than half the kids were graduating. Um, and you'd, you'd think if you're in a district and less, less than half your kids are graduating, there would be, you know, pitchforks and fires at board meetings and calling for the ouster of, you know, you know, everybody. And there wasn't, there was just this complacency because mm. of, the, of all of these other external factors in the community. There was a, there was a strong belief that this is just how it is. And mm. we're glad to get those 50% of kids across. And, you know, those that we don't, sorry, we, you know, we gave you the opportunity and it didn't work out, but um, Dr. Cole did not believe in that. And he got me like, you know, I'm, I was relative. I was. I didn't have any cynicism or anything. I'm just out of college and <laughs> wanting to do good work for you know the community I was born and raised in. And you know I went full bore with that. And so um, you know when we had staff, even staff, we had staff surveys. You know annual climate surveys, and it would show that you know less than two thirds of them on the question that asked, "Do you believe all kids can succeed?" Less than two thirds of them said that they believed all kids could succeed because even some of our staff thought hey you know we're, we're here every day we're working we're doing our thing but less you know so it must not be yeah. us must be something else so i don't believe there's a large contention that didn't believe um you know every kid could succeed and so around that same time i was really starting to get into uh, books about uh, positive psychology so mm -hmm. like 
Sean Aker, um, Michelle Gielen, a bunch of others I started reading. And I was like, oh, what if we can just like, as part of my work, like obviously there's a ton of incredible and innovative instructional work happening, happening um, both at the high school and throughout the district. Because you know we need kids to progress throughout the system and be ready for high school, and um, so I really focused on well, what can I do as a school communicator? And I thought after reading some of these um, these books on positive psychology, I was like, I wonder if I could if the work I did could just help shift this belief system that people kind of have bought into that thinks because where we come from, and I use the word we because that's where I came from, and. A different story for a different day but initially i thought i was just going to be a cattle rancher when i grew up but uh, uh because it just i like caught my you know college not a lot of less than uh, a quarter of the people in the community had college degrees and so then when that's that's what you're around there's that's just what kind of you think you think about and so uh, my thought was well what if i can use communications to help kind of shift this work at parallel to the incredible instructional and you know programmatic work that is going on to help these kids succeed because i really want to shift that mindset that people just don't believe that it can happen and um, because that is if you don't believe i mean it doesn't matter what work we kind of do if you don't buy into it and think that it's going to work as a staff member you're probably not going to you know do as much as you can or buy into it or just think it's another one of these kind of phases or fads mm -hmm. And instruction and so we really focused on having um, a set uh, like a very succinct and impactful vision mission and belief statements that we would share everywhere and everything no matter what publication we were doing the different types of meetings we were having we would always review them and um, I would really focus on these stories of kids who are coming from um, you know some really hard hard heartbreaking kind of situations but they were doing great things and it was because they had the um, teachers and administrators and support staff who were helping them along the way instead of trying to explain why our graduation rate was less than 50 percent focus on explaining how we are going to grow that graduation rate what our plan is how we're going to get there and how the community can help to kind of make it more because as i mentioned like there it wasn't just a school district kind of um dysfunction like in the community gangs were rampant the mm -hmm. lack of, um, violence and crime and so uh we thought that hey why don't we kind of make this more of a community conversation so we started our own version of kind of like a character counts program but um we didn't have the money for the actual licensing for that. So we made up our own and we used the community to help develop what are those 12 monthly traits. And then instead of just us like putting them on our reader board, we reached out to the community um, and asked them to participate in these conversations at home, in their workplaces, in their places of worship, in their places of organization. Um, we partnered with the city and they would put that month's, we had like a sheet that said, okay, here's the, the word of the mm -hmm. month. These are the, what it means uh, to, you know, to us and how can you talk about what this means to you, whether it's your organization or your home or your family or a service club or a church. Um, and then we asked businesses to put it on their reader boards too. And a lot of them did like you drive through the main strip and you'd see the word of the month on, you know, the burger place or the muffler joint or the carpet store. And so it became more of a kind of, not just us talking to kid, uh, kids in schools about character and values, but the entire community kind of having that conversation um, around characters and values. And then we just made sure that stuff was everywhere. We just, to the point of ad nauseum, just repeating, you know, every, you know, our belief system, what we believe kids can achieve, what we're doing, and just kind of had it everywhere. Like you would walk through the high school and you would see those values, like the character values, um, on these big vinyl things through all of the different hallways. Um, it was just kind of really saturating the community in that kind of a message. And then, you know, these messages of hope and um, it eventually just started to resonate and kind of snowball and build on it. When we first, you know, when we first started, I had people like community members come into my office or send me a kind of a nasty email saying, what are you doing? This, this is stupid. 
Like this is not like you're not you nothing's gonna change. The school's always gonna be a, a dropout factory, which at the time it was, you know, fairly it was a you know less than half the kids. Um, but we just have this belief and then we use kids to talk about their hopes and dreams. Um, we took our message on the road. We would go to, we'd partner with farms because it was a highly um, agriculturally focused community. We took our message to farms and um, partnered with them so that the workers who were the parents in our schools would come and listen to a message from our family engagement people about how to be connected. And so eventually this stuff all just started to snowball and there was this marked shift in what people would believe. And then when we saw the graduation rate slowly start to creep up, you know, it went from, you know, less than 50 to 58, which was, uh, that's huge for us, still like well below where we should be. But then it went up to 65 the next year. Next year after that went up to 75, and then it went up to 80, and then it went up to 85. And so in 2015, um, which is the year I left to, to go to Shoreline over in the Seattle area, graduation rate was 89.2 percent and everybody was believing then and uh the thing is and i'll tell you now they're still in the upper 80s lower 90s year to year but they are still as hungry to get that last 10 percent because they believe in those kids and they just you know look for, for look for ways to do it and um there's one story um about a student his name is jose barajas and it was featured in a I had this positive psychologist. One of the other things we would do is um, I'd have, you know, help coordinate our start of the year event. And I'd always get like after we started doing this, I'd get someone who kind of would focus on positive psychology. And uh, Michelle Geelan, who's a uh, renowned positive psychologist, former broadcaster, actually, too. Um, she was writing this. She came. I just invited her to speak and give an inspirational speech. And she did. But then as she learned about her story, um, and met with some students that I got her connected to. Um, she included us in, the, in this book that um, I didn't know she was writing at the time, but then she reached out after and said, hey, I'd love to include you guys. It's called Broadcasting Happiness, and it's about positive psychology and communication. So she has this chapter on Sunnyside, and she shares the story of this one student, Jose, and um, he was a very bright student, like incredibly bright high school student, um, worked at a factory uh, 30 to 40 hours a week um, to help support his mom and his younger siblings. He was the oldest, um, really in a kind of a hard situation. Um, well, he, as teenagers sometimes do, he made a poor choice um, in trying to take a shortcut to support his family and got caught selling some drugs and um, impacted him at school um, and also had a legal impact. But um, his teachers and the people who he worked with never gave up on him, even though he made that mistake. You know, he suffered the consequences, but they did not give up on him. And his counselor in particular, who knew all about this, did not give up on him and encouraged him and pushed him to apply for a Gates Millennium Scholarship. And I'm not sure if you know what a Gates Millennium Scholarship is, but I do. Yeah, those are huge, huge huge deal. They pay for everything. Essentially pays for everything for as long as you want to go to school. Mm -hmm. Undergrad, graduate, PhD, another PhD, as long as you want to go to school. And, and if you want to fly home for Thanksgiving, they'll pay for that too. Yeah. And so he had this dream. He wanted to work in like aerospace. And so, you know, even though this teacher or this uh, counselor could have just been like, sorry, this kid's too much. He made a huge mistake. They're not going to pick him. She pushed him and pushed him to like, do the work, share his story, and he applied for it and he got it. And he ended up, I think he went to Texas A&M. Um, he worked for, he's a systems engineer. He's been a systems engineer at Honda. Um, he's into uh, now more like water flow types of things, but he is like a very high level engineer and has done some incredible work. And he had his schooling paid for and can continue to be paid for if he's going for more PhDs, um, but all because that teacher, that uh, that counselor believed in him, that his teachers believed in him and kept him going, kept him in those right classes, kept him on the right path to like, you know, just get back up after you make that mistake. And that was the culture that like we want. We wanted every staff member to believe in every student like that, no matter what their circumstances were, because if you believe in them and you can get them to believe in themselves, and you can set a high expectation that you have a high expectation for them, 
oftentimes those kids will rise to meet that expectation. And so that's what we were doing and had great success and um, very happy to see that they're continuing that, that success, um, you know, currently. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I love story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the school, for people listening, it's probably like, yeah, that's a little bit, you, you touched on it, but it, uh, that's kind of outside my realm is like turning around graduation rates, but it's, it's really not. And the, the, I like what you said about the positive psychology and actually, uh, I know Matt's a big fan of Sean Aker because he booked him as a keynote for one of our conferences, uh, mm -hmm. for the virtual one. He was amazing, but you really can have an impact. So it's like when you hear this, here's our dilemma. Our graduation rate is not good. There's issues in the community and you're like, yeah, that's not me, but that is you. And we talk a lot about it, all these mm -hmm. conferences. How do I get a seat at the table? How do I get promoted? How do I get on cabinet, the executive team? This is how you make a lasting impact. And you can do a lot of this work through branding and communications. And I, I love how you're like, what can I do? Because it is pro programmatic. It's like, how do we get graduation rates? Like, you're probably not going to be in that initial meeting. But it's like, no, I can support this. I can help with the messaging. The community partners thing, too, I absolutely mm -hmm. love. Like, it's on the carpet store sign. Uh, you guys are working with churches and just everybody. And so that becomes you know, it's now a part of the culture of the entire community, which the school district should be, you know, a huge part of that. So I just love the the portion of where you're like, what can I do to support this? And you probably help that brand and that messaging and culture tenfold uh, with getting all that messaging out there. I yeah. think one thing, if I can just tag on to that, Curtis, because Ryan said it a couple of times, but I also want to really drill home the fact that, especially with this story, uh, the role that the communications office plays and the director of communications or, or just the, the person that's handling that, how critical you are to the culture of your district. You have, in some cases, probably the most significant ability to impact the culture of your district uh, That that in that communications role. It's, it's absolutely critical. Yeah, totally. If you can if you can impact those who, you know, are reading your communications, um, those who are, you know, reading speeches or listening to speeches or videos and really just get that belief mindset because, you know, once that shifts, then a lot more things are possible. And it's all, you know, there's neuroscience to it, you know, because mm -hmm. stories, they help. I mean, when we hear a story and we feel something, you know, that's all dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, just kind of floating around. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real impact in the words we use and the images we use and the stories we tell and um you know all of those things that we want to do to inspire people there is a scientific impact there is a direct impact on the work we do as communicators on the culture that is established in your district in your schools in your community and coincidentally or maybe not coincidentally as that graduation rate went up the um the crime level started going down it was it was right. like a direct effect and so it was really a community shift. And there were lots of, it wasn't just the school district. There's other organizations when, you know, when I talked about the kids that were killed in gang violence that like got that rallied and they're like, we need to really change our community. And so if you can develop synergy with those other organizations that are doing that, those other nonprofits mm -hmm. and bring them in to like one common vision, um, you know, powerful things can happen. Yeah. And the kind of what we're talking about, I, I want to re-emphasize it almost because I don't know that maybe people new to the field understand that the role kind of what Matthew was emphasizing about building morale and culture is huge through communications and probably you are the most important person and you should be doing that in 2020 when we were all morale was at an all-time low and culture was terrible that's when I, you know, all of us, you kind of look internally, what can I do? That's when we created our nice notes campaign because every email we got was like, it was just terrible. It was like, oh my, I don't even want to touch my email. Everything you were reading on social media was horrible. So I noticed we started getting some of these parents were so appreciative of the teachers and the online. And so our principal sent us a couple of these like hey i thought you guys should see this because they knew like the executive team we were getting barrage with like you, you know just all the negativity and so they're like hey some principals like i just wanted you to see this email like there's a really appreciative parent and it was like the greatest thing and i said more people need to see this so anyway started this whole nice notes campaign and we all those positive emails we did that but to your point and to what you did 
in Washington at Sunnyside is we can impact morale. We can impact culture. And it's that messaging and that repeated messaging. And like, this is who we are. You may have but no, these are the stories. So I just love that. And I think that's so important. And that that is when new superintendents come in, new principals come in, it's like, what's the first thing they usually work on? Culture. Who can help most with that? School PR professionals. It's mm -hmm. huge. That's what I'm talking about. Um, man, that, that's so impressive. And I love, uh, the, so Broadcasting Happiness, I'm going to check that out. So if you're into positive psychology, do you have any other books or people we should be following with, with that uh, realm? Um, uh, anything by Sean Aker, really. The Happiness Advantage. Um, I think that was like, I read that, I think I read it twice and listened to the audio version once, but um, that's a fantastic one. If you're going to get your start, I like Happiness Advantage is a great one. Um, broadcasting happiness. Um, obviously, I'm biased because Sunnyside's featured in it. But there are a lot of great other uh, stories and anecdotes in that one. Um, those are probably the two I'd probably start off with. But um, it's kind of grown so much um, the field of positive psychology. Um, you know, Simon Sinek, obviously awesome. I love the you know uh, start with why, like really, because that's a, you know a big part of our job too. That keeps us coming every day. It's School PR is not for the faint of heart and it can be stressful. And, um, you know, while there's a lot of inspiring things to share, there's also a lot of heartbreaking things that you have to share and work through. And so really centering on the why of the work and your personal why and why you do what you do, um, I think is really, uh, you know, kind of key and paramount for us as school uh, communications professionals. I, I like the partnering with the higher ed and Gonzaga too. Although I, I will say, I think you guys, you guys got lucky with Dr. Cole and Gonzaga because not all uh, higher education is further along than K-12. And I mean, quite the opposite in some, yeah. some, some universities. And it sounds like I'm calling them out because I am. It's like almost, you know, some of our students are regressing when they go to away to colleges. But if you had somebody that it's really good and you have an amazing university that knows about culture and education, I mean, that partnership right there is like, all right, we don't know it all. We have an expert in our own community, but I love those, all those community partnerships, starting with Gonzaga, great basketball team, by the way. And then, you know, all the other from Gonzaga to the carpet store, to the muffler shop. I mean, I love that community partnership. Yeah. And it was, you know, having that partnership with, especially, a, uh, you know, a Institute of higher learning, we would actually send kids to Gonzaga to do, to, you know, just tour the school um, kids that were in, you know, not necessarily the kids that were the green or the yellows on that list, but the oranges and the reds, so that they can kind of see what's possible. What be, what is beyond the scope of Sunnyside? Cause many kids just have never been outside mm -hmm. the lower Valley. They don't know um, what a college looks like, what it feels like. Um, and then on the reverse, we would have students from the School of Counseling at Gonzaga. They would actually come down to Sunnyside and do special programs and activities and events and work with kids. So there was a, it was the partnership stretched beyond just Dr. Cole and the the dean and then Dr. Selena. Um, it was kind of like they invited us in to kind of feel like we were a part of that community too, and we did the same in return. That's awesome. Yeah, we we have a partnership with USC when with our internship, but we bring them there every semester um, and they do it. And our kids, like you're talking about, the exposure to college just opens their eyes and they see kids on there like, that, that kid looks like me, that kid looks like me. Like, why can't I be here? And it's amazing, beautiful campus. So many of our kids end up going to USC because they're just inspired by it. And it's that exposure. Even something as simple as just having a college shirt day where it's like every the staff's wearing college shirts and it's like you talk to kids about, I went here, this is what I studied. And like, you yeah. can too. Um, you have little so banners up because for some kids, uh, you, you might be the only person they know that they're familiar with that has gone to college. And so mm -hmm. to really set that as, you know, this is a thing not only that they can do, but um, something they can strive higher for is, is, is a good thing. That's amazing. Um, we talked about on episode 82, Matthew got back from a Wasper conference and we had Wasper in our title of the, um, the podcast episode. And it's just, uh, our Pacific Northwest listeners just skyrocketed. <laughs> it was amazing. It was no, such we, a great We conference. appreciate the shout out for sure. 
Yeah, and uh, Matthew was talking about your performance doing Biggie at karaoke, <laughs> and uh, it was he did do some karaoke. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did some juicy. So, uh, how excited are you for Ensbro? Oh my gosh, I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am. That's uh, how I first knew about you, by the way. I'm like, who is this guy with these pins and these buttons? He's kind of, a, he's kind of aggressive. Like, what is that? Who is this it. guy? I still got my button somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, those are those are collector items. Well, you know the um, <laughs> the story started back at the last time we were in Baltimore. And it was like a torrential downpour. And uh, me and one of my colleagues, uh, David Beal, um, from the Central Kitsap School District, uh, we were just kind of out and about. A lot of groups were downtown. And the torrential downpour came. And so we just scurried and found ourselves in this kind of tiny little uh, cozy bar and uh, found a couple seats up at the bar. And we're sitting there and we're talking um, over a drink. And we were like, um, we're just kind of lamenting the rain and the weather. Um, and we were talking about how in Seattle, like people expect like this kind of rain that we were experiencing <laughs> in Baltimore, like in Seattle, but like from April to like October, virtually there's almost no rain. And we're like, oh, it'd be so great. Like if we could do a uh, inspire in Seattle and a couple of seats down from us. And I, I don't recall her name. I, she was a little bit older. She was a, a seasoned inspire veteran um, was sitting there and she looked over at us and she's like, yeah, when are we going back? And me and David kind of looked at each other puzzled. And we were like, going back, when was Inspirever in Seattle? And she's like, 1995. And she pulled out the I was like, Well, I didn't even have my driver's license then. So uh -huh. I was gone. And so then we got back and we were like, hey, we should like, we should pitch, like, have Inspirever come to Seattle because we only go to these places that are humid, all beautiful places. Like, I love San Antonio, love Nashville, I love St. Louis's pasture, a little humid, but like, I love visiting like new places and so we're like okay we're gonna we're gonna pitch this to to inspira and um we came back and him and i put this kind of plan together and we got information from the seattle chamber on like hotel options and venue space and direct flights to seattle and all of this and we kind of sent it off and um the executive director at the time like replied a month or so later and basically said, sorry, this, you know, it doesn't fit our criteria with the metrics and, you know, how many people we think we need to get to make it, you know, profitable, blah, blah, blah. And so we were kind of like, uh, kind of just deflated a little bit. And then that same year is the year I was um, transitioning my job to Shoreline. And so I was going through that. So we just kind of put it on the back burner. And then um, the, the, the following year, uh, Tova Tupper, who I'm sure you're um, most, most in the super energetic, positive, we can do anything. The exact kind of staff person like you want or the person you want to work around because they just, they believe and then they get you to believe. And so she, uh, after the ends for that year, she <laughs> had the same, same idea. It's like, hey, why don't we like, and David and I, well, let me tell you about it <laughs> and how we kind of got shot down. But then we're like, you know, this just doesn't feel right. They haven't been to our region in, you know, over 30 years and we fly every year. And what about our members who aren't able to fly? Shouldn't like we have something in the area to like, just so we can spread that knowledge instead of these like same kind of sets of locations that it would just kind of cycle around to and none really on the, you know, near us, except for, you know, every five or six years when it uh, would go to Calispera, which I absolutely love. San Diego was my first inspiration and it was, the absolute best and loved when we went back to Anaheim a couple years ago. And um, so we just kind of had this idea. We knew that the executive director at the time was kind of resistant, but we thought Inspira is made up of people and made up of members and we need to have a voice and give a voice. And so we kind of concocted this plan that we would, you know, hand out these buttons and these cards that link to a website <laughs> that had a, a information. What's so great about coming to Seattle all the stuff that we kind of had put together we had a, like an online petition. We were just like, what do we got to lose? Like, you know, really, what do we have to lose? Let's just try a ground. Friends at friends at Ensper for one. Well, <laughs> I think I definitely rubbed some of the, the, the executive director and time and some of the staff the wrong way. Uh, so, but it was awesome because like uh, the like uh, Manny uh, Ensper yeah, Manny yeah. Rubio. Yeah. yeah who was um, the CALSPR president um, the year we were, um, or maybe it was the next year. And so he was up there giving 
his uh, preview for um, the following year's um, seminar in Anaheim. And he gave us a shout out. Uh, Inspire president at the time, Julie Phantom, gave us a shout out in the whole time. Uh, the executive director just thought, did not look comfortable at all, was not happy with me or David or what we were doing. But we thought, hey, we're just going to do this. And then the next year we brought, you know, we started bringing those cookies and we just brought stuff just to like start this kind of conversation and kind of develop a, a, a like a, an ability to show that people, if we build it, like feel the dreams, if we build it, they will come. Um, and um, did these surveys and stuff. And then um, eventually I uh, ran for the INSPIR board, not with just the agenda to get INSPIR to come to the Northwest, but you know, to to you know, but just with the agenda to get to go to the northwest, <laughs> exactly. Well, that was the thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to use as the voice for the northwest region and all the states around us that were in my region. Like I wanted to be a voice that advocated for that. And um, we eventually got to a point where um, we were able to go through some numbers, and you know, we made uh, we both you know made considerations, and we got to the point where. Um, where it hadn't prior been voted on by the board, this was one that um, Executive Director Rich Bagan was willing to give to the board after we both kind of shared information um, and some numbers. And then um, grateful to uh, the board and my other board members, but unanimously voted in favor of um, bringing it to the Seattle area. And um, so that was kind of the, the whole thing. And then um, we were actually supposed to have it in Seattle um, this past year, initially when we rolled it out, that was the timing. But because the pandemic um, had canceled mm. St. Louis's, um, we offered to let, let St. Louis have theirs instead of flip-flopping. And then we have ours in 2024, um, which I'm partial to the number 24 for King Griffey Jr. reasons. Nice. Uh, so we just felt like that kind of worked more for our vibe gave our chapter some more time to come up with some stuff mm -hmm. um, to prepare because we want people to have a great time, want them to really experience and, um, you know, have opportunities to experience Pacific Northwest. And what made that. you, what made you so gung ho about it? Obviously your passion about it, you grew up there, you loved it, but you went next level to like, really advocate and by the way we need you to advocate for the school pr podcast with just a fraction of that energy and we'll be you know we'll be top 10. Well, you know in sandy when i went to my first instance in san diego like i was it was it was amazing it was a completely different experience than i ever had and i like i remember during the first keynote session like i could not wait to go home and go do this work like mm -hmm. better than i ever had before yeah. i was just inspired i had this fire in me I came back and like, I think that translates into the quality of work we do. And so what, like my whole thing and why I was really passionate about it is because I really care about, I care about all kids, but Washington kids across our state in particular, especially those that, especially like those in the community I came from in Sunnyside, that if we can spread this knowledge and spread this fire that I was able to feel at INSPRA across other parts of the state, that that would greatly impact the success of students in our state. And so that's kind of why I got so passionate about it. And it really, it tied back to Sunnyside, it tied back to, you know, all of the different communities that I felt like, you know, had, you know, school PR people, but just didn't have a budget to send anybody to INSPRA. And um, so that's kind of why I really got passionate about it and thought, you know, we need to make it accessible for everybody in the country. And so every once in a while, maybe having it at this off, uh, you know, or location where you just haven't had it before, haven't had it in a long time. And I've been really happy with the INSPIR board because now they're, um, as they're looking at sites, they're looking at uh, metric or not met metrics aside from just um, numbers of people that they think mm -hmm. will come. And they're making those decisions in um, what I feel and hope are more kind of um, equitable way in terms of the way knowledge is spread, inspira knowledge and inspiration is spread across the country. Happy to see that we're going to Indianapolis, you know, here in a few years, I've never been to Indiana. So um, I'm looking forward to that too, but really kind of stretching the, the influence of inspira to places where 
you know, they typically may have not been before or a region that, um, you know, hasn't been visited in a while, um, those sorts of things. I know that, you know, costs are obviously involved in um, all of that because it is a big chunk of the, the INSPIR budget, but we just believe that um, we were growing in a way and created enough hype that, you know, coming to the Northwest would be a successful thing. And so then it would be a win-win for the members in our state who typically don't get to go because they don't have the money or just don't know what it's like. Because after you go, how can you just not go again? Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I literally have not missed an instrument since San Diego. And a couple times there were budget issues and I pitched paid for myself. Like I just was like, this is this important to me as a professional, as a human being <clears throat> who also feels recharged being around people who do what we do and know what we do and get it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just worth it to me to make that financial investment personally. Um, and so I know when people, if we can get more people there to experience it, they're just going to keep coming and they're going to keep coming and the organization's going to grow and we'll have more resources to do other work that really supports the work we do across the country. And so it just kind of lit a fire under me and uh, David and our whole entire chapter and all of the other chapters too. I mean, Calspra, you all were, you know, the real OGs and supporting that um, when we kind of started our rapple rousing. Um, but you're, record, I was against the initial support. He was. He I was. was I, have, I have a really funny picture, Curtis, when you were really aggressively uh, promoting it there in San Diego. Uh, I have a funny picture of Ryan and I, or it was Anaheim. Uh, sorry. And uh, oh, yeah, and he right. was he was like, man, this Inspiring Seattle thing is really kind of getting on my nerves now. Like, <laughs> too much. And I said, hey, man, I want to get a quick selfie with you. And so I held the camera up. And right as I took the picture, he's smiling. I popped up the Inspirant Seattle pin. <laughs> Two of us, like, holding the pin all happy. And he's like, dude, you better delete that right now. Uh, that, that picture pops up in my memories all the time. I love that one. Yeah. yeah well, we're, we're, we're happy to have changed some minds. And, and yeah. I was just – I was like – I didn't know you at the time. I didn't know yeah. how positive and nice you were. But I was like, man, this just seems aggressive. And – you know, all, all three of us know, having sat on a board, there's nothing harder than planning a conference and there is cost and there's so much stuff. So it's like, yeah, I want a conference in Hawaii too, but it's just like, yeah, it's not, it's not feasible because of cost and transportation. So there is so much to take into consideration. So I was like, this, this guy's going to be driving Innsbruck nuts right now. <laughs> no, but you know, when I got, when I got on the board and, you know, Rich, Bagan was obviously the executive director um, when all of this happened. And what he, but to his credit, he was the executive director that um, yeah. you know, sealed the deal to, to make it happen through a you know an agreement with Waspra. And was he just like, I'm tired of Curtis. Let's just go to Seattle, so I don't <laughs> yeah, have to hear this guy anymore. That may have had something to do with it, but I honestly believe he started. He yeah. like he he. You know, he's a smart, analytical. Yeah. He's obviously very uh, pragmatic, and his first yeah. concern, um, you know, it was his best intention, and that is the financial health right. of the organization right. and its viability. Because he lived through some times when Inspir was on the brink of death, and he literally was one of the very few people to be able to save it um, and grow it into, you know, what it became. And now, obviously. You know, it's growing even more. And, um, you know, look, let me say this for Rich from like 10 years ago. If every single Waspra member is not at that Ensper <laughs> conference in Seattle, I'm coming after you, Campbell. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, we're we're going to be there in droves. Uh, yeah, you will be. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, we love Waspra. We love Ensper. Matthew yeah. and I have talked about our love for Ensper. And I, I, I agree with you too, like Rich and all them. I, what they've done over the years is remarkable. It's so good right now. I did a webinar for them last year. They're providing so many resources. And this, oh, Matthew has the picture. Amazing. Nice. Uh, and I was not in Enspra for years. I was Calspra first, and Enspra was kind of a an afterthought to me. And I joined because I had to join when I joined the Calspra board. And yep. so I was like, all right, I got to join. So I joined. I didn't see the benefits. And I think now with what they're offering and with some spras like Waspra, Calspra, they're head above T-Spra. There's a lot of really good spras, but some are smaller. They don't have the numbers, the finances, because it all it is all about a lot of finances. When you first start out, you can't have big conferences. You don't have a lot of members. So you don't have money. But 
for those states, like Ensbra is your go-to now. Like I would be an Ensbra over my state's bro that has 20 people in it or 30 people in it because the resources are incredible for the value. So I agree. Ensbra's done a lot of good stuff. You probably did drive them crazy for a while, but I'm glad everyone's happy. I'm glad we're going to Seattle. It's going to, it's going to be amazing. So when you first found out, were you just like, this is greatest day ever? What was your reaction when you first I, I was out? I was over the moon. It was like just one slight notch below having my kids. <laughs> um, you know, it was just it was it was an incredible feeling. And I was just I was just so grateful to my fellow board members. I was grateful for Rich for you know working through it over several years um to 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 get to a point where we could say yes and to go to a point where you know, we could do that. And um, I was just over the moon. And then, you know, obviously my first call was to David Beal to let him know we and Tova and all of the other people that we kind of had on our committee because they knew it was coming to the vote. And um, so as soon as that went through, I, you know, sent texts out to them. And then we definitely celebrated when I got back from that board meeting and we really haven't stopped celebrated or being excited ever <laughs> since. Um, and so really pumped for it. People, when we were in St. Louis and we had our preview table, people seemed really excited. Um, so we're expecting a good turnout and um, maybe a Sasquatch sighting or two. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Sasquatch. Did you see the Sasquatch video? Yeah, I know. Ryan? I don't think I did. Oh, did man. I? Yeah. Yeah, check out the Peach Jar social media for that video. Or you can go to the Wasper one, too. I think we reshared it. Yeah, Wasper right. Sasquatch. We we got a Sasquatch. I did an interview with Sasquatch. It was riveting. <laughs> Absolutely riveting. Sasquatch said some deep stuff, man. <laughs> I love it. Well, we love we love Waspra. We love what you guys are doing up there. Hopefully, I can get to your conference uh, coming up. We'll definitely have you back on before Enspro to do a preview of where to go, any oh, games yeah. to mm -hmm. see, restaurants, Ooh. kind of the inside scoop. Um, so we'll definitely have you on before then to do a do an Ensper preview. I think that'll be uh, fantastic. Uh, speaking of Peach Jar, check them out. If you're looking for online flyers, they're a great sponsor and they help us provide this school PR podcast for you. Matthew and I are both wearing our Peach Jar t-shirts today. Uh, mine's under my polo, but there we go. Look at that. Amazing. I'm trying to remember, Matthew, I was talking before we start hit record, but and this must be my t-shirt must be a good 10 years old or something. I don't know. It's a, uh, this is an oldie. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, that would have, uh, I think we're only 11 years old at this point. So if Man. you got it, if you got it from one of the original conferences or something, yeah, I think I did, uh, check out soundmind.app. If you're looking for mental health support in your schools, they have an entire program. They just did some research on the numbers with students using the app and their mental health improving drastically. So if you need to help your students, and I bet you do, check out soundmind.app and nickelstrategies.com. Also, if you need help with uh, trying to get a national conference in your town, they'll help you <laughs> throw together that uh, strategic plan or yeah. give Curtis a call, but check out nickelstrategies.com. Also, we have a new Facebook page for the School PR Podcast. We have our small private group but uh nobody chats in there so i'm starting a uh we started a facebook page so check us out on facebook i'll put the link in the show description uh we we expect a lot of waspra members to be a fan of our facebook well, page. Yeah, no pressure's problem. on i'm gonna promote that i'm gonna promote <laughs> that like it's the next inspiration <laughs> oh my god if you did that <laughs> we would just like you were like the don king of like the conferences like the <laughs> king promoter i love it <laughs> and what I like about you too is uh, what Matthew and I can't talk about mm. is sports so much. Yeah. He's not a big sports guy. He's a musician and pilot. He does way cooler things than I do. But I know you're a big sports fan too. So we'll have to talk Seattle sports sometime as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's Seattle sports. That'll be fun. Yeah. It can be difficult <laughs> to talk about sometimes, but uh, some bright spots. I try to look to the positive. Yeah, when you said Ken Griffey Jr., Matt's like, is he an Ensper regional? He's a golfer, right? He does the golf. The, uh, sweet, the sweetest swing in the history of the game right there. Yeah, yeah. It's tennis, I think, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All exactly. Right, awesome. Anyway, Curtis, I uh, love the story of Sunny Side Up. That's where I'm nicknaming it, Sunny Side Up. You guys really turned it around. And uh, what you. you did for culture, morale, and the partnerships, I love it. So, look, mm -hmm. if you're listening to this, you're new in the field, 
your district is struggling, you're looking to improve, I would give Curtis a call and I would say, give me some of those ideas and I'll take notes on this podcast. And that's really how you can make such a big impact um, with your students, your schools. And that's what I love about this job. I used to be a journalist and I thought I was making an impact, but I'm like, this job, you can really make an impact. Just the graduation rate and the culture and uh, I love that how you brought in the positive psychology and, and really hone that in. And so just love what you did there and uh, appreciate you being an advocate um, just for students in general. I know you're a little biased to the kids up in Washington, but that's OK. Uh, we all are to our regions, but uh, you, you've always done a lot of things. And being on the WASP board for a second tour of duty is remarkable on your involvement. With so thanks. Thanks to everything you've done for the field. It's amazing. Happy to help. Yeah, so good to hang out with you, Curtis. All right, see you guys. All right, Curtis, thank you. Bye. Yeah.